This is the True Prophet Podcast with your host, Dr. Sherry Fluellen. The True Prophet Podcast brings together Christian entrepreneurs to bring about true profit. What is true profit, you ask? It's the movement of Christian entrepreneurs that are driven to seek truth for their life and their business, not just what sounds good or is easy. We take absolute responsibility for the endless pursuit of true wisdom. We take the narrow road. We know we will be hated at some point, but we don't make excuses and we stick to what we know is true. We are entrepreneurs who are determined to honor God no matter how it looks to those around us. When we fail, because we always do, we know we are forgiven through Christ, which gives us the courage and strength to continue on. Through every test in our business and our life, our profit may be money, but we also know our biggest profit is our faith. For what profits a man if he gains a whole world but loses his soul? Because you are among the elite of entrepreneurs chosen by God to make an impact, your pursuit of true profit will change the world. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in to the True Profit Podcast today. I'm so excited to share with you uh, one of the gentlemen who has given me solid spiritual guidance over the past year or so. If you listened to or read my origin story for this podcast, um, I talked about having an epiphany related to my business, and it was centered around um, how I can get true peace in the midst of um, some of the business struggles that were going on. And the epiphany was that I absolutely needed to have godly counsel. Um, speak speaking into the struggles I was having. It wasn't enough to read business books. It wasn't enough to talk with my peers. Um, so today, I am thrilled that our guest is going to speak directly about um, applying uh, biblical wisdom to the struggles of entrepreneurship. Um, so first, well, we're going to take a deep dive into the fundamentals of making decisions as a Christian, as a Christian entrepreneur. Um, this is Pastor Bakey. Um, would you introduce yourself, please? Yes. Hi, I'm Pastor Marcus Bakey. I'm the associate pastor at Our Savior Lutheran Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Also, for the last uh, nine months or so, I've been serving as the vacancy pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church, also in Cheyenne, uh, from Denver, Colorado, originally. Uh, went to school in Chicago and then later seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, I've been in the ministry since 2010, first serving two small congregations in Montana, and then I've been here in Cheyenne for five years. Uh, blessed with uh, a lovely wife, Tiffany, and four children, Clara, Hannah, Vivian, and then a son, James. That, that last one's important, right? Yes. <laughs> Your first boy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the namesake, or that gets to carry on the right, the right. last name. One more baby. <laughs> awesome. Um, I wholeheartedly believe um, in the perspective that we need to dwell on amazing things that are happening in our life. There's a lot of neuroscience that supports gratitude, that supports um, uh, kind of speaking affirmations over one's life. Um, and one of my favorite Bible verses is Philippians four eight. Um, which is all about thinking on things that are true and honorable and just and that sort of thing. And um, that fits very well with my role as a psychologist. And one of the things I do um, with my clients um, is just focusing 
our direction away from negativity and towards the good things that are happening in life. So Pastor Bakey, I would love to hear um, what is one of the best things that has happened to you this past week? Let us into some of your excitement. Sure. Well, I think the best thing that's happened, not just to me, but to our area Lutherans is that we found out that Trinity will be receiving a new pastor very soon. Uh, pastor John Preuss from Clinton, Iowa, accepted the call to serve as the vac- or excuse me, as the pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church, where I'm serving the vacancy. Now, that's certainly good news for me, as I've been stretched <laughs> kind of thin over the last right. nine months or so, uh, serving two congregations, and Trinity has a uh, school where uh, our children all attend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not just for my sake, but I know for the members of Trinity, as you can attest, yes. uh, I've been very anxious for a full-time pastor. Uh, you know, I've, I've done my best and I hope that I've done well, but, uh, you know, I'm only able to be there twice a month and then once a week. Uh, so I think having a pastor who's there every week, uh, every day to minister to the needs of the people, not only in the church, but also the school, well, it's certainly an answer to prayer. I know we've been praying for that personally and also here at Our Savior. I know the members of Trinity have been praying a long time. God is good. His will is perfect, and at his good time, according to his good pleasure, he's given a pastor to Trinity. And so we are very thankful for that and look forward to welcoming Pastor Preuss and his family to Cheyenne soon. Yeah, we're pretty excited about that as well. Yeah, and he's Um, got a number of kids who are right around the age of our kids. Yes, uh, yes. Some new friends for our kids. Yep, yep. Definitely some some newness there, which is good. Um, Also, yep. Absolutely. Um, and, and I would love to hear and celebrate with you what are some interesting things coming up for you over the next few weeks or month. Yeah, definitely. So uh, next week is spring break, of course. So it's a good time for us to get away for a little bit. So hopefully we're going down to Denver and seeing my, uh, my family. As I mentioned, I'm from Denver. My parents and my sister and her husband still live down there. So we're going to go there for a couple of days and just relax, get away for a little bit. And then uh, in the church year, we're drawing close to the end of the season of Lent with Holy Week and then Easter Sunday. And uh, Easter is probably my favorite holy day in the church year. Uh, I love Christmas, of course, everybody does, but Easter is especially wonderful um, because that's, that's our Christian hope. That's the foundation for our Christian faith. Uh, you remember Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that if Christ is not raised from the dead, our faith is in vain. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're just wasting our time as Christians if Jesus is still in death. Mm-hmm. But Christ, in fact, has been raised, the first fruits of them that have fallen asleep. Uh, so you have the, the scripture lessons, the prayers, the hymns especially. Uh, Easter is just so marvelous. I, I give thanks to God that we have a day devoted to celebrating Jesus' resurrection. So I'm really looking forward to that. Good. Thank you so much for sharing that with mm-hmm. us. Um, So kind of uh, switching now into kind of the meat of what we're going to be talking about. Um, As an entrepreneur, uh, I make decisions every day regarding, I I look at it as boundaries of my business. I'm making decisions about what I'm going to do, but I'm also making decisions about what I'm not going to do or what I'm not going to spend my time on, spend my energy on, or who I'm going to hire. And I'm curious from your perspective and in your experience, both just theologically as well as in other people that you've counseled, um, what wisdom can you offer about how to make those decisions and those boundaries in one's life? Yeah. So in our Lutheran Small Catechism, which is just the little handbook that we use to instruct um, all new members, both young and old, uh, there's a section on confession. 
And in order to examine ourselves, the, the question says, consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. And I think those are very wise words for every Christian to um, consider and then hold on to. Uh, because in the first place, we have instruction from God as to how we are to uh, live and act, think, speak, and do. And that's the Ten Commandments. We call them God's law. Uh, these Ten Commandments certainly show us our sin. Uh, they, they show us where we've fallen short. Uh, but as Christians, they also serve as a guide. How can we in, uh, live our lives as Christian people in the world? But, and this is where I'm very thankful to be a Lutheran, we have even more direction than just, here are the Ten Commandments. Because we go on to say, now apply them to your place in life. What does it mean to, for example, uh, not steal, Seventh Commandment, as an entrepreneur? Right. What does it mean to uh, not give false testimony against your neighbor as an employee? Uh, and so it's not just taking the Ten Commandments overall, but then applying them to the specifics of who I am in this world, a father, a husband, a pastor, uh, an employee, uh, a citizen of the United States, and so on and so forth. And we can all apply them to our unique stations in life. Definitely. So I liked, I like where you're going with that because, um, you know, we can all, we can all read the Bible mm -hmm. and hopefully yeah. we all do. Right. The challenge, and it seems like the differences among all the different denominations, all the arguments is, well, you know, what's the interpretation and application of that particular verse or that particular concept? Um, so going, going to the Ten Commandments and what the specific example you gave about not stealing, um, what does that specifically mean in the office of an entrepreneur or role of an entrepreneur? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Okay, so right, in the Ten Commandments, uh, and I'll go back to the small catechism since that's something that's ingrained in every Lutheran from probably very early times, um, we have an explanation. What does this mean? And the explanation is we should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way, but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. Now, as an entrepreneur, Part of your goal is to profit, right? The name of the podcast. So you do want to take your neighbor's money, uh, but you want to do so in an honest way. And you want to give them a product or a service uh, that is of um, equal value uh, to the money or whatever you receive in return. So as a Christian entrepreneur, you do want to get your neighbor's money, but you want to do so in an honest way. Moreover, you also want to help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. Um, now, depending on your field, what specific um, area of business you're engaged in, that's going to take place in different ways. Uh, so you're in the field of psychology? Yes. Psychology, okay. Uh, so you are going to uh, have at the foremost of your thought, how can I help my neighbor improve and protect his way of thinking, his mental health. You know, we were talking before about um, some Lutherans we know that run a food truck. Well, how am I going to help my neighbor improve and protect his life, I mean, his day, by serving him good, nutritious food that is uh, worth the cost that I'm charging? 
So again, you take what's written in the Ten Commandments, but apply it to a specific um, station in life. And, and again, we can even get more specific as to what business are you in? What field are you in? What need are you meeting of your neighbor? And then from there, how can I then support myself and my family uh, by charging a fair price? So what I hear you saying is that when you're delivering as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, or as an employee, when you're delivering a service or a product that there needs to use the word, it needs to be done um, ethically or honorably. Um, and and, and in, in my world, there's a lot of, of talk about value. Mm. That when I'm, you know, if I'm extending, let's, let's use my, uh, my example. If I'm extending to you, um, sessions for, let's say, marital counseling, I want to make sure that you are getting enough value out of it for what you are paying. Um, although th that's a very, it's a very complex um, idea because on one hand, the amount of value you get out of my services depends on you. If you don't put your own effort into it, you're not going to get much out of it. Mm -hmm. um, another complex piece is if I am not very confident in my skills, and I devalue what I do. Um, that that kind of presents some 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 interesting way of. Uh, I'm trying to think of, of how to how to say it that I I may be concerned I'm not acting ethical because I you know let's say if I charge a hundred dollars for an hour two hundred dollars for an hour but I I feel my own you know my own self worth I'm not very well developed in that area and I'm like um, maybe I'm really only worth twenty dollars mm -hmm. but it's charging hundred and so now I feel like there's an ethical dilemma in my own mind but if an outsider were looking in they'd be like you should be charging even more for your services they're amazing so so our own um, our own brain can get in the way, I think, of, of how we perceive whether we're being ethical or honorable. You know, I, let me just leave that open-ended. Um, do you have any kind of thoughts around that? Sure, yeah. It's, I'd say it, there's a very fine line between confidence and sinful pride. And, and certainly pride is a sin, and we want to avoid um, falling into that sin of pride. Uh, at the same time, we ought to have confidence in uh, the skills that God has given to us. And I, and I guess maybe the best way to avoid that sin of pride is to recognize that whatever skills and abilities, uh, whatever value we have, comes from God himself. Um, but to be sure, I think that sort of confidence in God who gives us our place in life is essential in order to provide a, a um, worthwhile service to our neighbor. So, uh, for example, you see in the window there, I have my certificate of ordination, uh, and it certifies that I am a uh, pastor ordained in the Evangelical Lutheran Church, uh, that I am authorized to perform all the functions of the ministerial office. Uh, pastors anywhere can tell you there are a lot of times where you begin to wonder, am I really fit for this job? How can I get up to preach? How can I get up to teach? How can I go visit this uh, dear member who is on their deathbed? Mm -hmm. um, and so then we, we look and, and we realize the confidence isn't in ourselves. Uh, we, we confess just with the rest of our members that we are poor, sinful beings. Mm -hmm. uh, but our confidence is in Christ, who has placed us in this office. Now, that's the pastor. 
but I think that can also be extended to other vocations as well. Um, you know, as parents, there are times where we all question our ability to what? raise our children. Never. <laughs> but right, most of us parents have those moments of doubt. Am I really fit to raise a child in this world? Again, we have to realize that our, our confidence isn't in ourselves, our own abilities, but God who has placed us in that office of mother or father. And so in your case, you probably have a diploma on the wall too, um, which maybe there's some pride in that, but more than that, I would say, and I would hope that it's a reminder that God has placed you in this position to serve your neighbor. And so your confidence in your abilities comes not from yourself per se, but rather God who has granted you those talents and abilities. Okay. So I'm imagining someone in the listening to this and thinking, well, you know, I don't have a fancy degree. I don't have this whole group or body of people that have ordained me and kind of given me their blessing. I decided to start my own business on my own with no formal training, uh, bootstrapping it. And so they don't necessarily have an external source of affirmation to fall onto. Um, and they're maybe struggling with, well, maybe this was all my own doing, like my own bad decision, not really God's will. Things, you know, things are hitting the fan and this isn't going well. You know, maybe I'm completely out of God's will or I'm, I screwed this up somehow. What, what would you speak to that person at that moment? Yeah, so that's a, that's a good question. I think it's one that a lot of Christians wrestle with, and that is the matter of God's will when it comes to our daily lives. And we have to remember as Christians that we have a record of God's will, and that's the Bible. And whatever God tells us in the Bible, that's his will for us, and that we know. Then the rest, however, that which is not recorded in the Bible, God has given us our, our minds and our, our reason and our strength to carry out. So, for example, let's say you want to become, uh, I don't know, a, a barista. You want to start your own coffee <laughs> shop. Uh, is it God's will for you to build and create and, and run your own coffee shop? Well, at best we can say, we don't know. I mean, the Bible doesn't say. Right. What? There's no Star Starbucks is not in the Bible? No, no. Oh, my gosh. There's better coffee than that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but what we do know from the Bible is that we ought to love our neighbors as ourselves. We do know from the Bible that we ought to help our neighbor in their need. We ought to provide for our neighbor's um, possessions and income, like we saw in the Seventh Commandment. So how do I do that? Again, that's where my own reason and experience and um, just general know-how come into play. Uh, so you mentioned the idea of having the external versus the internal. Uh, and, and what I would say to that is, as long as your internal desires are not in explicit contrast to God's will, um, so you're not desiring to do something sinful, then you should go for it. You should pursue it. But I would also say there may come a point where you realize externally that the external circumstances of my life are not matching up with my internal desires. Mm. And at that point, it's okay to reconsider. It's okay to say, you know what? This didn't work out. It doesn't mean that God's displeased with me. It doesn't mean I've sinned. It just means that in this earthly life, there's something else for me to do. There's something else that I can achieve. And there's a whole host of factors that come into that. Um, 
including my family, uh, mm -hmm. my other obligations and responsibilities, you know, how does that all play in with my internal desires? Uh, but again, you know, internal desires sometimes are achieved, sometimes they're not, uh, but that shouldn't be taken as a reflection of God's favor. Um, as you mentioned, uh, I think in the introduction, God is well pleased with us for the sake of his son. We are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so because of that, we're then free now to uh, not necessarily seek to, um, how should we say, uh, fulfill God's will by becoming this or that, but rather we can seek to fulfill God's will by loving our neighbor in whatever field that may be. Yeah. So kind of one of the things that you said kind of sparked a thought, um, and you were talking about, you know, one of our fundamental responsibilities um, and callings is to love our neighbor. Mm -hmm. And in thinking about our business, you know, we're helping and loving our neighbor through products or services that we're offering. Thinking about whether a business, so in, in the business world, there, it, it's, there's a lot of talk and a lot of attention on um, that the idea that we, we can't serve everybody. Mm. We have to pick a niche mm -hmm. because with the amount of businesses and the amount of um, industry going on now as the world has become closer together with technology that um, the more successful businesses are ones that really niche down instead of trying to be a very generalist uh, company. And so, so there, I could see potential conflict in the brain on, well, you know, if I'm, so for, we'll use again, my example, if I'm, I'm a psychologist, I have the capacity to work with almost everybody, but I also feel like there's a very smaller uh, narrow, you know, window of people that maybe I enjoy helping the most. And if I don't help everyone that comes through my doors, am I not really genuinely fulfilling, um, you know, helping my neighbor? And, and so, so maybe speak a little bit to that idea of having a narrow focus in, in one's business or, or abroad and, and how to decide that. Sure. Sure. So, I mean, certainly by virtue of our humanity, we can't meet everybody's needs. I and mean, that's something we all discover very early in life. And let me just make a pause. If, if the people listening think that you can meet everybody's needs, or if you've ever said that, please seek mental health. Yes. Because your life is not going to go well. Right, right. <laughs> seek a pastor. <laughs> Forgiveness. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something we all discover, that you're just not going to meet every need because we are limited. Um, for one thing, we're just bound to a specific place at a specific time. I can only be at one place at one time. Uh, you know, we all have uh, unique talents and gifts from God, certainly, but we also have limitations. So as you seek to find that unique niche, um, you know, the best place to start is, well, what do I have an aptitude for? What am I, what gifts and abilities, what talents do I have? Um, so in my case, math isn't my strong suit. Again, we have kids in the same class, third and fourth grade, and this is about the grade I've discovered where the math book is beyond my math abilities. <laughs> I, I don't remember integers and fractions. I love your humility. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit beyond me. Um, so I didn't become a mathematician. I didn't become an engineer. Uh, you know, I like to study. I like to read old books. I like to take notes. So pastoral office, at least that side of it, was appealing. And I 
fit into that, that role. Now, again, acknowledging that those gifts come from God is essential uh, because otherwise we very quickly fall into the sin of pride that I'm doing this myself. Uh, so again, for your niche, what are your specific talents and abilities? And then from there, recognizing that as Christians, we're not called to meet the needs of everybody. Um, not even necessarily called to meet the needs of everybody who walk through our door, but rather we're called to love those people whom God places in our lives. Um, so again, let's go back to the um, section on confession in um, the small catechism. Consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Um, when God calls us to love our neighbor, neighbor there isn't something meant in general or broad, but very specific. Uh, God gives us specific neighbors to love. Uh, so I'm the husband of one wife, and I'm called to love my wife, Tiffany. I'm not called to love other women. I'm called to love her. I'm called to uh, raise and uh, bring up my children in the fear and admonishment of the Lord. And those are my four specific children. As a pastor, I'm called to a very specific congregation. I'm not the pastor to all of Cheyenne, and I'm not the pastor to all of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. I'm called to serve the saints at Our Savior Lutheran Church, and then for a time also Trinity Lutheran Church. So there's a, there's a very uh, specific nature to the neighbor uh, whom we are called to love. That's also true in your um, business and in your um, daily, um, your, in your job. You know, you may be called to be a um, psychologist to a very select group of individuals uh, meeting a very specific need. And that's not only okay, that's good. Because in that way, you can devote your talents and abilities uh, to meet the needs of those around you in a very uh, useful way. I appreciate the perspective of really understanding your talents and your gifts and your abilities. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely seen, see a lot of people struggle with trying to meet the expectations that people have put on them growing up or as an adult, um, feeling like, well, I should be such and such way, or I should be this way. Um, but then when they do research and kind of that self self-development, self-exploration, and get other people's perspective, not on what they think they should do, but just, you know, if I were to sit down and say, you know, Pastor Bakey, how do you experience me? Like, how do I come across to you? You know, tell me what you have seen me say or do that seems like, wow, like she really knows stuff about here, or yeah, she's totally led astray and doesn't even know what she's talking about. You know, just getting that, getting that objective feedback to really guide, um, guide one's per perspective and and kind of figuring out what should they do. Um, it's interesting. And I think, you know, you talked about kind of a little bit about like, basically I heard you say failing um, that, you know, we're going to get to points in our life where we hit up against a brick wall and maybe that means that we need to go a different direction, but that that's an okay thing. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean we sinned nope. or we did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're just needing a course correction for some reason and in yeah. some direction and, um, and recognizing that, yeah, that that's, that's okay. Yeah. And from what you're saying also, um, I think that really underscores the need to have good Christian 
friends and mentors mm -hmm. who can have that word with us. And sometimes it's a hard word, but it's a word we need to hear. And that is maybe your skills and abilities aren't in this field. Right. Maybe it's in that field. Or uh, I've noticed that you are able to do this or you come across as that. Have you ever thought about doing this or that? Um, there's, a, there's one of our great Lutheran hymns and, and the line says, it's, it's a prayer, and help me find good friends for counsel and correction. And, and that should be our prayer uh, every day as Christians, that God would send us good Christian friends who know the scriptures, um, who know the Ten Commandments, and, and who know us. And out of love for us, but also um, not out of, we might say, uh, handling things too lightly, uh, should be willing to tell us tell us the hard word. Yeah, um, that, that can correct us if we need correction. Uh, this is also where being in a godly family is so wonderful, uh, because you have parents hopefully who can say, "Have you thought about doing this? Mm -hmm. Maybe you shouldn't do that." It's where being part of a church is very important. You know, so you can have pastors who say this or that, and not just the pastor, but the fellow church member. Uh, so. Um, you know, all this goes back to the Garden of Eden when God said about Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. In that instance, he gave him a wife. But I think we can broaden that to mean God doesn't want us to be isolated individuals. Yeah. Yeah. God wishes us to be part of a, a fellowship or a community. Um, again, not only to build one another up, but also if need be to correct and reprove one another, again, for the purpose of building up. So you're talking about uh, having, you know, really strong, um, trustworthy people mm -hmm. around yes. you, um, and that that philosophy is definitely uh, prevalent in the business world. They talk, there was a, um, a business gentleman quite a number of years ago that talked about like he basically says that you are the um, the average of the, the people, the five people you hang around with the most, um, which there is a lot of psychological um, research backing how we tend to think like, even look like the people <laughs> we spend time with. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, you, you see a married couple and then 20 years later, like, wow, they're really starting to look like each other. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and there's a fun little thing called mirror neurons that happens in our brain when we're, you know, with somebody, we unconsciously tend to start, you know, acting like them. So there is a ton of, a ton of research around that. At the same time, I think about, well, we're, we're called a witness. We're called, you know, even Christ in his life, he did not spend time with people who were like him. In all the reality, there was nobody like him. Mm -hmm. And um, and maybe, I don't know how, how fair it is to use him as an example, but he spent so much of his time with the lowest of the low, the people that were shunned. Um, now, if you strictly apply this principle of, well, you know, you are the average of the five people you spend time with, well, then you will never never spend time with the people in need because you don't want to be like them or, you know, their issues. You don't want to kind of start losing traction in that area. How, how can we balance those two perspectives? Yeah. So, and that is a, a perspective that maybe needs balancing because uh, as you mentioned, our Lord Jesus Christ ministered to the sinners. Um, as he said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Um, Nevertheless, when he called men to himself, he called 12 Christians. Of course, Judas fell away and betrayed him, uh, but they replaced him with Matthias, and then Paul became an apostle later. So, so he called believers to himself. Um, you know, 
this is what I often tell people um, that the scriptures teach, uh, this is Ephesians chapter four, um, that God gave the gift of the ministry to the church, that he gave pastors and teachers um, to equip the saints. Now, what are we equipping the saints to do? We're equipping the saints to go out into their daily lives and meet the needs of the people around them. Because as certainly as we pray that God would convert everybody, that all people would be saved, um, we also know that we live in a fallen world and that necessarily if we're living in a fallen world, we're going to be surrounded by sinners. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We are going to put Pastor Bakey on pause and you'll get the rest of his conversation with us on the next uh, podcast episode. Um, You can look forward to hearing more about how we hold two things true and that is Um, that the five people that we hang around with the most, we tend to be the average of them. Um, That's quite a common uh, business concept. So you want to hang around people that are ahead of you, that you can emulate, that that can be your mentors. Um, But at the same time, the Bible does let us know that we should be serving those who are um, up underneath us hierarchically, um, who are in need. And so how do we how do we balance and manage those two things together? Thank you for uh, allowing us to spend time with you. And we look forward to the next one. You've been listening to the True Prophet Podcast. I ask you to join our movement by subscribing to our podcast and by joining our Facebook group, True Prophet Movement. We are bringing Christian entrepreneurs together to grow in true profit. God bless.